Welcome to the Chash Palmetary Podcast. We always talk about old school. We got a real guest today who's really old school. Old school and he's famous old school, so you get bang for your buck with that. But first, I want to tell you where I'm going to be with a one-man show. September 10th, the show that started it all, the one-man show. I'm going to be at Lancaster, Pennsylvania, PA, uh, the American Music Theater in Lancaster. October 9th, I'm going to be in Boston. I love Boston. The Emerson Colonial Theater in Boston. November 11th, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, PA. For two shows, November 11th and 12th at the Byram Theater. And don't forget to go to my website, chazpalmentary.net. You can pick up the card, the lucky card. The saddest thing in life is wasted talent. It's a great gift for your child, a a friend you want to inspire. I gave it to my son, my daughter. They're both very successful. I can't say that the card did it, but the card inspired them. And so we have uh, old school today. And I got to tell you, this man here, this man here, they know him as, I don't know if you remember the name, but he's done so many things. But I'm sure he'll admit himself. He's known as Big Pussy. <laughs> Big Pussy. He was on The Sopranos, but he's, he's done so many other things. He's really terrific. He was on Broadway. Here he is, Vincent Pesto. Vincent. How you doing? It's a pleasure to be up here at your home. Thank you. Now, how do they pronounce it? Vincent Pesto. Really? Well, it's real way is Pistori. Pistori. But, that's, but uh, Daddy dropped the E because right. he couldn't get work. Really? Yeah, and he dropped the E. And he said, Pastor. What kind of work did your dad do? Well, daddy was a wise guy. He was a wise guy. Yeah, and and what happened is when he met Natalie, my mother, and Harrison, the family, the Santa Donatos, said, you're going to marry my sister. You you can't do that no more. So he actually packed it in, and he went to Yonkers, and he was working at Phillips Dodge, and he hated his job. Right. And when he was 63 years old, he retired. And I'll never forget, he said to Natalie, now I can do book? And she said, yeah. So he started loaning money at 63 years old. Wow. He went back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he was a bookmaker early in his life. Yeah. Wow. What is it like growing up and your dad's a bookmaker? Is that anything strange like that? Uh, Well, uh, a lot of his friends that I would meet. But, you know, the thing is that we lived in Nourishell on top of a social club. Uh, and uh, my father was the custodian. Right. But he never cleaned up the bar. And me and my brother Johnny would come home from school and we clean up the bar. And finally, the guys, the members, they, they, they caught on to this and they told us we had to leave. But we lived on top of a social club for many, many years. And on Monday nights, right. they had meetings downstairs about who they were bringing in to the club and stuff like that. And I had a little peephole. I built myself a little shack down there under the steps with my record player and everything. It's another Bronx tale. This is great. I know. And I was peeking through, and I used to see who got the black ball, who got the white ball. And then I would come in the next day and clean up the room. I don't know what they were voting on in there. I really don't. You don't know? No. (laughs) You couldn't vote on somebody getting whacked. (laughs) You don't know, I don't know. Um... And then years later, we went back, uh, me, Frank Vincent, Tony Sirico, we actually shot a documentary in my father's club. You did? Yeah, called Family Values. Wow. Yeah, years later. Years later. Yeah. Now, Vincent, you're old school, let's face it. We all are old school, if you know what I'm saying. Yep. You grew up with values. You grew up uh, respecting ladies. I mean, um, 
I mean, when did this whole thing start? Well, you ran clubs for a while, right? right. You were a club a, a owner, a club. You I, a I ran um, discos. You ran discos yeah. back in the seventies. Yeah, seventies uh, into the eighties, uh, and then I wind up. Um, I ran Peachtree's. I worked with uh, Marty Lolly at the Lollipop, uh, and then I went and opened up my own place, Crazy Horse, which was a rock and roll place. In New Rochelle. In New Rochelle, yeah, wow. I had a capacity of 100 people. We had the stage was bigger than the whole place with my lights and everything. Wow. And even uh, your friend Tommy uh, Matola would bring in an act once in a while. Really? Yeah, he brought Daryl down uh, one night. Daryl Oates, uh, Hall and Oates, yeah, right? He That's brought right. Darryl, he brought Daryl down one night, and he actually uh, met T-Bone uh, Walk, his bass player for right. Hall and Oates, in my club. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, running clubs in the 70s and 80s, you came across a lot of mob guys. I did, but, you know, because of daddy, because my father, they didn't bother me. They didn't bother you. They didn't bother me. So you didn't have to worry about, like, a family coming in saying, this is, we want a piece of this action. No, I had more problem with um, the, your previous guests, the Chingalings and guys like that, <laughs> than I did with the wise guys, because they used to come in. And, uh, and, uh, and they, you know, you had to serve them. If you didn't serve these guys, they'd start trouble. All the bikers. The bikers, really? Yeah, yeah. And Chucky's place was right around the corner from my bar. Wow. He was on Westchester Avenue. Yeah. So did you straighten things out with them after a while? Uh, they, yeah, they yeah. were, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't bother me. They, they didn't bother you? No. Now, it's very, it's incredible. Like, obviously, Sopranos wasn't your first thing you did acting well how did you get into the business how does a guy running clubs father was a bookmaker tie in neighbor how, how does this happen how do you get into the business i had that passion to be an actor when really? i was in high school but being an italian guy from the west nervous show they didn't want to see us right you know you had to be jewish from the north end to be in these plays, you know? Right, right. So, actually, when they had the rap parties, we'd go over there and we'd, 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 we'd crash the parties. And uh, this is a true story. One night, I brought some of my friends over, and right. the police came over my house the next day because the girl's house got robbed. And <laughs> they came over my house, and they wanted to know if I was at this girl's house. I had everything in the trunk of my 49 Ford. Right. And if they would open up the trunk, they would have saw everything we stole from the girl's house. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was going to tell you some true stories. I want to hear it. Yeah. My show, you got to say the, yeah. tell me the true stories. You can curse, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so we would go to the rap parties and, you know. Yeah. But, so, okay. I, okay, but then I go in the service. You go in the service, go ahead. Uh, I was in the Navy uh, three years. Right. And um, when I got out on the GI Bill, I went to Pace College, and uh, I was taking business courses, and I was doing very poor. And uh, this, my speech teacher said to me, you should be study dramatic arts. And I started to study dramatic arts. Uh, I switched my major. And my first scene ever was Stanley from Streetcar. From Streetcar. <laughs> that was my first scene ever. That's a pretty hard scene. Well, you know, I wasn't too bad back then. And um, my friend Dominic Rossetti from the Rochelle was trying to get me into business. but And then I packed it in because I couldn't get a job. You didn't get a job. So I just stayed for 20 years in the club business. And then and then somebody came on my shoulder like a little angel. Right. And it was Kevin and Matt Dillon. And they came to my bar one night. Kevin and, and Matt Dillon. Yeah. Wow. And they said, uh, you'd be good. We were watching um, Pope of Greenwich Village. Yeah. On TV. Right. And Maddie said, you could do 
the work that these guys are doing. He was pointing to Frank Vincent. Right. And Tony Masante. Tony Masante, that's right. Right. And I wind up working with Frank over 11 projects, Frank Vincent. Frank Vincent. God yeah. Rest his soul. yeah. He, was a, he was the best. Yeah, terrific actor. Yeah. Terrific actor. A Raging Bull. Right. Well, Casino that's where it started when he played uh, Good Goodfellows. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He was Billy Bats. Billy Bats. Go get your shine box. Yeah. That that's, famous line. That's right. Now get your fucking shine box. Yeah, yeah well, Cha-Cha was in that scene, too. Cha-Cha was with him. <laughs> and uh, the hat. And who, there was another guy with him. The, he was from the, the oh. Elegance, the singer. Vinny, uh, oh, Vito? Vito Pacone. That's right. Vito Pacone was in that scene, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was the guy with the beard right next to Cha-Cha. Yeah. Okay. Now go get your fucking shine yeah. box. But, you know, uh, it, it, you, you got to understand, uh, my grandmother came from Arthur Avenue, Mastrangelo. Um, uh, Carlos' uh, family, right, from the Belmonts. So we were at Arthur Avenue almost every Saturday afternoon, right. And my first meeting with you was when you were involved with the little theater on top of the grocery store. That's right, on Arthur Avenue, the little theater Belmont. Belmont, what was the name of the Belmont Theater? Right, and uh, uh, Marco, Marco, who Greco. cast. Bronx Tale, who helped cast Bronx Tale. And the other kid, Dante, Dante was correct. running the place. And we were going up there doing uh, plays up there. That's right. So that's when I first started getting involved with you. Right, I wasn't famous then yet. No. No, I wasn't, no. No. Wow, I remember that. That's right. Yeah. So so you got, you started, you said, I could do that. And, but how does one, how did you get your SAG card? Other actors, I, I, know I got things. my SAG card very easy. How? Um, Joy Todd, casting director. Yeah. She put me in a movie with Stallone. It was called Gangster. And uh, Billy Freakin. And the project got dropped. Me and Tony Lip were supposed to be in it. Tony Lip. God bless Tony. God bless Tony Lip. For those who don't know, was the the famous person. Nick Vallelongo wrote that green book about his father. About his father. Tony Lip. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And I met Tony. Um, in fact, Tony uh, gave me an acting lesson. That's when I got my SAG card. Right. It was called Gideon Oliver with Lou Gossett. And he says, right. always take something home. So I took a belt home. He took a suit. <laughs> He's always take something home. I was scared. Now I'll take a suit. I always take my stuff. I know. I saw your wardrobe. Right. Always. In my deal, it's like I, I keep all my clothes. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. So yeah. Can I ask a uh, quick question? Yeah, my son Dante's uh, over there. Yeah, Dante. So you went from... It's kind of amazing. So you went from running clubs to starring in the most iconic show in America in American television. Yeah. Well, how did how did that jump happen? Well, I was lucky. Uh, my first film out of the gate was a movie by Nancy Savoca called True Love, with um, uh, Annabella Sciarra. Yeah. And Aida Totoro, and uh, we shot that in Pelham Bay and Morris Park. That was my first job. So then uh, Ellen Lewis saw it and called me in to audition for um, uh, the part that Tony Darrow got in Goodfellas. But Ellen said, we're going to put you in anyway. And I got a little bit, but it was a start. Yeah. Wow. And then I got that. And then um, and I see, so it was a struggle. It was and, a struggle. And I say this, I say this to the other actors out there. You know, you, you go, I don't want to do this part. It's a little part. A small part could lead to big parts. That's right. You hear that, Dante? I get residual. Oh, well, he's not doing extra work. Oh, no, he doesn't no. do extra No, no, he's starring in a film right now. In fact, uh, we'll talk about it when the, when the film comes out. We're going to have him on the show. But 
uh, many, uh, Joe Pesci, uh, Bob saw this thing called, the movie was The Landlord, something like that. I think it was The Landlord. He saw Joe Pesci in this little movie, and that's how he got cast in Raging Bull. So right. you actors out there, you never know. The idea is to get seen. Okay. So now you didn't get the part in Goodfellas. You got a smaller part. When did you get cast in The Sopranos? Uh, 98, 1998. It was after we did Gotti, uh, uh, when I'm on Asante, and I played Angela Ruggiero. So once she saw you in that. You, well, well Georgianne George yeah. Walken brought me in, right. and uh, I read for David right. for, for, for the role of Big Pussy, Big Pussy. And I didn't even have a callback. He gave it to me. Right there in the room. No, a couple of days later, I was up against Johnny Roast Beef. That's what I heard. Johnny Roast Beef. <laughs> you remember? Johnny Roast Beef Johnny was Rose doing beef. it. Yeah, he no was eating me a Johnny Roast Beef. <laughs> Does he know that Johnny Roast? Oh beef? yeah, he wind up playing uh, Angelo in a bad version starring Tom uh, Tom uh, Sizemore called uh, Witness to the Mob, which was horrible. They all had fake wigs and stuff. <laughs> but uh, they, you know, let me tell you something. There's only one Angelo Ruggiero. Ask the guys. It was me. It was you. Do you remember the scene that you auditioned with for, for, for The Sopranos? What they had you Can do? I tell you something? They did not have on the script that the guy's name was Big Pussy. Really? No, it was Sal. No way. Now, how did Big Pussy come <laughs> about? Big Pussy was a real guy in Big Jersey. Pussy. He was tall like you, thin, um, out of Newark. Yeah. Because they did my research. And he was friends with Frankie Valley. Right. And there was a little pussy. It was Big Pussy, Little Pussy. And Little Pussy. Pussy. And Little Pussy wound up being the rat in the family. Why did they call him Big Pussy? Because he was a cat burglar, like Cary Grant. Oh, so he was a cat burglar, so the cat, Big Pussy, so Big Pussy was a cat burglar. Right. Wow. And the, But the little, he, the little Pussy, he was the rat. He was the rat. I, the, the, there was never a scene that got me so deeply as the scene where you are, are crying in uh, Tony Soprano's bathroom. One take. That was one take? Yeah. Your father taught me how to do that. Is that true? <laughs> oh, shit. That scene. One take. No matter how. I've watched The Sopranos through, I don't know, maybe seven times yeah. already now. Every single time I get to that scene where you're crying in the bathroom. Now how did you, how it did you just get destroys to that place me. In that Emotional scene. recall. You know that. I know that, but, but you did it in one take. I mean, that was. Yeah. You think about the, the worst thing in your life. Wow. Now, what was it like? You know, you're on the show for two years. It was, was it the hottest show in America at the time? The no, year? actually, you see, what we did is we knocked off 13 episodes, and then he gave it to HBO, and then he ran it, and then we had a year off, and then he filmed another 13 episodes, so that's why the public was waiting like a year to two years before it ran again. Oh, okay. So when we shot the second season, right? Um, I didn't know the impact was going to affect me, me getting killed and everything. Uh, that's when... Everything took off, uh, but uh, I wasn't on the show no more. So everybody wound up getting raises, and, you know, uh, they asked me this question all the time. Uh, how do I feel? I, I feel like, you know, let me tell you something about Georgia Ann Walken. She's a doll. She goes like this to me. She said, Vinny, I got you doing a scene um, on The Sopranos, and I want you to get X amount of dollars. I said, that's a lot of money. She said, they owe you. Yeah. And she got me that money. Well, I got to tell you why, and that is why because you were on the se a show two years, and Big Pussy is one of the most famous characters. The best, on it. one of the best People characters still think in the that show. You were on whole thirteen years. They yeah. Think. What? 
I was going to say, like, one of the most iconic characters in the entire show. Now, now did you get along with everybody, with James? And oh. James was a great guy. Jimmy was the best. What I liked about working with Jimmy um, is that Jimmy wanted to rehearse. So he'd pull you in his trail. A lot of actors don't want to rehearse. True. You know that. Yes. Um, he would pull me in his trail, and we would work. And then when we were shooting, uh, he would say to David, hold on, Vinny needs another take. He would feel it. And I said, thanks, and I'd do another take. When we did the scene where I'm in the boat and Sirico pushes me and all that, you know, disinformation, uh, I did a take. And then David said, don't beg. That was the only note he said to me. Like, you gave me a note the other night. Yes. Don't beg. I said, okay. And the second take is the one we have. When you're not begging. I, yeah, he said, don't beg. He says, these guys will not, they wouldn't beg for their lives. That's what he said. No, there are. He, but he's right about that. There's something about real wise guys, they won't beg at the end. Uh, yeah, I love when you go, leave my eyes, like that. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, shit, he knows. I don't know why he wanted me to keep my eyes. Well, it's, it's a district. It's, it's, in other words, when they laid him out, when they lay you out, even though your eyes are closed. How are they going to let me in? They put me in a plastic bag and threw me in the ocean. But, but yeah. if they find you, it's Oh, about, okay. It's something about your eyes. Leave my eyes. Cut your eyes Let me out. keep my eyes. Keep my eyes. Yeah, yeah. But Sirico took my watch and ring. Yeah. Don't shoot me in the eyes. Oh, don't. Yeah. Okay, that's what that is. That's what that means because I remember a couple of wise guys, Crazy Red, when he... Uh, quick story. That he, shit's crazy. He punched the little Johnny in the face with a cigar and they, uh, they shot him in the eyes and they cut off his... Uh, Pichalik. Cut off his Pichalik, stuck it in his mouth. Whoa. No, but then the... So that was pretty I'm sick. glad I didn't up like that. But then yeah. the wake. Oh, then the wake. The, there's a whole other side to oh, that. Oh, yeah, well, uh, they told the body... They told... It was Joe Body at that time, the funeral parlor, and they told him, don't take this guy. Don't put him in here. We don't want him in the neighborhood. But he felt bad because the family went to him, so he put them in, and the wise guys came in and kicked the casket over. We had uh, we had <laughs> stories like that when I grew up. Yeah. See, people don't know about the Western Rochelle. Chucky's from the Western Rochelle. Chuck Zito. Yeah. Um, there was a guy that had a candy store up the west, right. and um, it was called Nunzies. Yeah. And um, his kid was Alex, who was a terror. So Nunzi, they find his body in a trunk of a car in Denver. He went out there to do a hit and. So now, when Nunzi is being laid out on 4th Street in New Rochelle at Cancro's, uh, Tut, who ran the neighborhood, stood in front of the funeral parlor, would not let Alex come into the funeral parlor because they said that the kid ratted on his father. So we had stories wow. from West New Rochelle, too, he you know. His son come in. No one let him go to the funeral. Did he rat? I don't, we don't Maybe. know. We don't wow. know. Wow. Now, well, when you were doing The Sopranos, did you have any idea it was going to be like that, a hit like it was? No. No. Nobody did. Nobody. You don't know. You don't know. I know. People always think that. I go, I don't you know. You don't know. You don't know. Same thing with movies. Same thing with you movies. You don't know. I remember doing Usual Suspects. I People were asking me. I said, Which is, you know, one of my favorites. Oh, thanks. But what was it like working with Stephen Baldwin? Oh, great. I love Stephen. Yeah. I love working with Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Uh, all the guys, uh, Gabriel uh, Gabriel Byrne, I mean. But one of the favorite movies that I really loved, the one you did, you were talking about it the other day, Mulholland, how do you say Mulholland it? Mulholland Falls. With, with Nick Nolte. With Nick Nolte, and great. Nick was great. Yeah. Nick was great. God rest, uh, you know, Chris Penn, who I love. Great, just wonderful actor and a wonderful guy, and Michael Madsen, who's great. 
So I enjoyed working with those guys yeah. a, a great deal. But getting to you, um, so you're on the show, and then you get cut out. So I'm sure a lot of people, you got killed. A lot of people are like, oh, you, they, oh, you always hear that. How did you, how did you feel? But you seem pretty okay with it, Vincent. Well, you know, um, I was on a plane going to L.A. after yeah. I got whacked to go out do a movie out there uh, called Deuces Wild. Yes. Uh, uh, with Scott Calvert, and uh, that was the first time I was going to L.A. I was 50 years old. So you were flying. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. I was going to L.A. to do a movie at my age. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and uh, it was great because I had been to L.A. Right. Um, with um, with Sopranos and everything, but I never went out there to do a movie. And then I'm on, um, which was bad because the movie took place in Brooklyn. They shot it on Warner Brothers lot. Right. But I'm on a plane and I said I'm going to work. Now you, know? you played Angelo, Ruggiero, Ruggiero in Gotti, which was really truly the best Gotti. Uh, but I mean, I'm on. I'm on was the best guy yeah. ever, ever. I mean, he was. I think he won the Tony. If I'm I got to tell you about the audition. Yeah, but uh, no, but Amon was great. And tell me about the audition. I go down to see uh, Avi Kaufman on Varick Street, right? And I'm in front of Robert Harmon, who's from Harrison, right? Uh, and uh, grew up my cousin Mark, so I figured I got it. I'm in, you know. And I already did a short film with him and uh, Frankie Pellegrino and Bo Deedle. Right. Uh, so I said, I'm in. So he says, Vinny, you got the part. I left. And I went uptown, and I was uh, hanging out in the city, and I was in back of the Beacon Theater. It was a bar over there. You got the part. Just walked in got the part. Yeah, I'm drinking. And my beeper goes off. We didn't have cell phones back then. And my beeper, I go to pay phone to my agent. Where are you? I said, I'm uptown. Well, you got to get back down to Avi Kaufman. I says, no, she gave me the, they gave me the bar. Uh-uh. I hopped in a subway. I was here from the bag. I go all the way downtown. Oh, I go upstairs, Armand's sitting there at the end of the table, like he was John Gotti. He says, who told you you could leave? You gotta talk to me. And I said, I said, this guy's in character. So I said, I went uptown for a drink and I became Angelo. And then he looked over, he says, yeah, 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 he could do it, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I want him in Canada with me for two weeks. We gotta hang out. And I was up in Canada with, with Armand for two weeks before we shot. Wow. Yeah. So Armand gave me that role. Well, I mean, I, I can understand that. he was You were playing his brother. He wanted to meet you. Yeah. Why is somebody giving you the part without me meeting you? Yeah. I can understand yeah. that. Uh-huh. And then totally. Armand and I got very close. And, I and it showed in and the movie. it showed in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and he was brilliant in it. I mean, you know the scene when he feeds me the cannoli? Uh, yeah. That was, to- I didn't know he was going to pull that off. I was in hair and makeup for three hours. I'm sitting there, he comes over with a box of cannolis, and he's feeding me with his finger. I didn't know he was going to do that. Wow, you know, and he said, and I, and I, and I improvised. I said, "I'm sorry." Wow, and I meant it. Well, they called you Quack Quack. Yeah, yeah because you because he was always on the phone, always on the phone, always talking. Yeah, and you know what? I worked with Anthony Quinn. You worked with Anthony Quinn. He played Neil. That's right. Oh my God. Oh, I I forgot about that. How was that? I'm doing Bullets Over Broadway in Algonquin, Maine, with Sally Struthers. Right. On the road. On the road. I'm in a dressing room at the Agonquit Theater. I'm looking up the way you got your posters here, and there's right. a big poster of Anthony Quinn. So I go over to the producer of the theater. I says, how come Quinn's pictures? And he said, that was his dressing room when he did Streetcar up here. 
And I said, oh, and I'm in, in the same room as Quinn. You know what I mean? Right, sure. So I got these pictures uh, from uh, Gotti with me and Anthony at uh, the kids' wake, uh, Gotti's kids' wake, and I, I gave him pictures. But I thought that was uh, – and then when we were shooting in Toronto, Anthony said, hold my baby. Hey, he had a baby. He was 80 years old. He had like a three-year-old oh, baby. Yeah, he had like 10 kids. Like you know, hold my baby. And I said to Quinn, I said, the best thing you ever did was Viva Zapata. And he started doing a monologue oh. for Viva Zapata. He was good. Well, he was great in Zorba the Greek. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think yeah. he won the Academy Award for that. Yeah. You know, when you work with those legends, I worked with um, Rod Steiger. And I worked with um, Kirk Douglas. And You he, worked with Kirk? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a movie called Oscar. Stallone, Kirk Douglas plays Sly's father, and it was great. But when you meet those guys, it's like, wow. Yep. They're legends to us. That's right. You know, they're like legends. Because we I, went to the movies when we, we were went kids. went to the movies, and I spoke to Rod Steiger about the scene with him and Brando in the, you know, you, you're my brother, Charlie. You should look out for me. He said that he did his, all his close-ups he did with the script crew. Brando left. He said he went to see his shrink. Randall left to go see his shrink, yeah. and so he had to do all those scenes with the shri- with the yeah. strip crew. Yeah, and uh, you see the the blinds is a pair of Venetian blinds in the yeah, window. Yeah, because the reason why they had that because they forgot the they used to put film behind it like cars going back and forth. The first AD somebody forgot it, so then the, somebody said, "Look, you know they used to, some of these uh, cabs they have like Venetian blinds." I never saw that. I never saw it either. So they put Venetian blinds back. Yeah. But that's yeah. a great story. Yeah, that's a great story. That's why they did that. Yeah. Yeah, Venetian blinds. Yeah. yeah. Look at it. That's but you know, we did the play version of On the Waterfront uh, on 42nd Street. And right. then I did it out at Frank Sinatra Park. I played Johnny Friendly in the play version. And the play version uh, doesn't take place in a car. The scene between Terry and Charlie it it takes place on a waterfront dock. Well, it has to be because of the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, now you were in Bullets Over Broadway on Broadway. That's right, and you were in the movie. I was in the movie. That's correct. And you work with a dear friend of ours, Nick Cordero. That's when I met Nicky. That's when you met Nick yeah. Cordero, who's, who passed on from COVID, and just just an incredible actor. And, incredible and you actor. met Nicky at when you came to. I think you met Nicky for the first time when you came to see the play with Barry. Yes, I came with Tommy. Okay. No, with Barry, with Barry, and but Tommy's the one who told me about him. Because I didn't want to play, uh, I didn't want to play Sonny in, in the Broadway show. I eventually did after Nick left to do a movie. I didn't want to play. I wanted someone. I did the mo- you know I did the one man show. I did the movie. I, I wanted somebody else to do the musical. And uh, but it was hard to find somebody. And then he told me about this guy Nick Codero, who was in Bullets Over Broadway again, doing a role that I saw originated. And Do I, you remember what what Nikki said to you? Yeah. One on stage, he says, "I don't know if I want to do he it." He said, "I don't want." He said, "I don't want to play another wise guy." I already did it. You know, I'm doing it. I, I said, "Nick, listen to me." He goes, "Well, I'm, maybe I'll play your father." I go, "Nick, listen to me. Sonny's the part. Mm-hmm. Trust me. People are gonna love you. You're gonna be great in it. Uh, you're Sonny. You're fucking Sonny, Nick. Listen to me." And uh, he, thank God he listened to me, and he played the part and should have been nominated for a Tony. I always say that to everyone. Well, he was nominated in Bullets. In Bullets he was. But all the slack that was going on with Woody Allen oh, and all yeah. that, that they, they, the, the play really uh, lost out on getting awards. Really? 
Yeah, yeah but I Nicky was nominated for that. He was nominated for, for Bullets Over Broadway. He yeah. was just a wonderful guy. Miss him very, very Miss much. Miss him very much. Now, when you when you got cast and Woody directed the Broadway show? Susan Stroman directed it. Susan Stroman. So she but Woody would give her notes on a yellow pad. And she would give us the notes, and I used to say to Nikki, "Why the why the fuck can't he give us the fucking notes? He's sitting right there." But he likes other people to do it. Yeah, he just likes that. Okay, that's the way he is. All right, you know, Woody. You know, Woody but I was up against Tony Darrow for that role. It was either me or Tony. Oh wow! Tony calls me seven thirty in the morning on Saturday. Yeah, but hey, it's Tony. I said, "What are you doing?" I just talked to Woody. Bullshit. He didn't talk to Woody at 7.30 in the morning. He no. says, they're going to go with the fat guy. I says, okay, Tony, thanks a lot. But he was right. Yeah, they went with, well, I was a little heavier back then. See, Joe Vitarelli did the role in the movie. In the movie, yes. yes. So I guess they had that image. Yes, yes. The Vitarelli image, you know. Yeah, and yeah. you're a little more character than Tony, than Tony Darrow. And I could sing better. And you could sing better. Well, that's... Well, don't, don't let him hear that. We'll have to speak to Tony Darrell. No, I could sing better. Okay, all right, yeah, maybe. Well, and you were terrific. I come out of the pit. Right. I got to be the first guy singing. Right. You many times, technically, you know that thing. I would be. I get stuck between the cellar and come up saying like I'm staring at a brick wall. Right, 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 right. Wow. Now, what is your? What about on the Sopranos? You knew obviously you knew Tony Sirico really well. Yes, Tony and I. I met Tony when he was working for Jerry and for Frankie um, uh, uh, Lagentano from the Rochelle. Uh, they had a club called the Grand Finale. And we went down to open a night, and King Creole and the Coconuts was playing. Tommy was handling King Creole. This is a this true story. This is back in what year? 82. 82. Yeah. Okay. So we go in. Go ahead. And my friend Michael Laroni, who was in, who did time with Tony, right. and they both came out to be actors. I see Michael. Hey, Michael, how are you? Don't talk to me. I'm waiting for Sidney Lumet. Because they were doing cruising. Don't talk to me. So I go sit down, and a friend of mine, who was my partner in my Crazy Horse bar, he took out the Babanya, mm-hmm. and he was doing a hit. Babanya, I haven't heard that in so long. And Sirico comes over where he had the black slick. Yeah. And he says, you put that away, I'll throw you out. And that's the first time I met Tony. Right. So years later, when I started working with Tony, me, him, Frank Vincent, we used to do a lot of one acts. Right. I told he don't. I don't remember. That. I don't remember. That. I never three had no club. I never worked there. So now was it true that I mean Tony Sirico, he was really a wise guy. It wasn't May, but he was a wise guy, right? Well, the story he le- leaked out was that he had a choice of being made or being an actor. I don't know. Can't you be both? No, not really. No. Why not? I've never met a made guy who was an actor ever. Well, in Goodfellas, uh, Marty gave 45 union cards out to those guys. Uh, they never worked again. Were they, and they were, I understand it, but were they made guys? I don't know. Being, I'm t- we're talking about really having a button. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, t- so well, Tony wasn't ever made then. I don't think Tony No, was no, no, no. But he was a legitimate tough guy. <laughs> Tony will, will knock your fucking head. Oh, yeah. I mean, that I know. Yeah, he'll still do that. He'll, he'll still do that. Didn't he have a problem with Danny one night? With Danny Aiello? Yeah. In, I heard about that. I don't, was I don't it know. Cafe Central? Cafe or, Central. Or Columbus. Was that Columbus? Columbus. And yeah. I think Paulie was working the door. Yeah. 
and he had a, he he and Danny had an argument, and they went out. I think Tony knocked Danny I out. Did, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. From what the story that I heard, I don't know. Well, these are stories you're only going to hear from us. You're only going to hear from us. Wow. You know, Tony Sirico is a legitimate tough guy. I mean, yeah. Um, everybody talks a good game, but uh, I mean, what is your advice? There's a lot of actors like you, Vincent, who grew up in a neighborhood or wise guy. You know, we knew wise guys look like wise guys, they could act like wise guys, but, but a lot of them, obviously, they can't act. I mean, you're a legitimate actor, I have to say. You, I, I worked with you, and you're terrific. What do you feel is your advice for young, for guys who just want to be actors? Well, listen, an actor is like a, a fighter trainer for a fight. Right. And they got to train, and they got to study. They got to take study. classes, right. whether they take them on Zoom, which I don't like, or in person, but they have to take classes. They got to work on scene work. Right. And the scene work they have to do is they got to tap in to plays like um, I put up on my class, like Requiem for Heavyweight, like 12 Angry Men, right. like View from the Bridge, stuff that they could relate you to. They got to train. But they got to train. They got to learn their lines. Right. What did you tell me the other day on the phone? Three things. Three things. You gotta do the three most. If you do those, if you do these three things, forget about all the acting lessons. No, look, I, I'm a member of the Actors Studio, and I studied. I've been studying the Actors Studio method for years. But you have to do three things before you go into character development. All this other stuff. Three things. Relaxation is the most important. That's why guys go. They keep looking at their lines. They keep looking at the like lines. me. You do it, but you. you it's okay. It's, I think it's a habit with you, because you're relaxed. You have to be relaxed, know your lines, and listen to the other actors yeah. speak to you. If you do those three things, you'd be great in every scene. That's it. So last, last night I had a show down at the Bowery with my band, and the kid who plays your son, uh, who plays Paulie, yes. his name is Jonathan, he showed up. He yes. came to my gig last night. Yes. And uh, he's trying to teach me Meisner. You don't know that. Why is it the back and forth? Yeah, we, when we yeah, were, I, when we I were, know the technique. Well, he said, Vinny, this is my, I said, I, I, yeah. Um, see, I don't know if I cheated myself. Oh, no. Because I didn't go down that road. No. I, I studied with this guy, Tommy Waits, who was an American Buffalo, Tommy G. Waits. Yeah. And he was in Justice for All with Al. And he taught me his method. He's with the studio. He right. taught me a combination of everything he learned. Yes. You have to do what's comfortable for you. Yeah. Some methods I don't agree with. Not that they're bad. I just didn't like them. Yeah. You know, I happen to study the method. I happen to study with Michael Shurtleff in the early 70s, who I really liked a lot, and who's just brilliant, Michael Shurtleff. And, uh, and it was really these guys who really, uh, when I got to the actor's studio, there was Ernie Martin, you know, Mitch Nestor, Good. You couldn't study with Lee right away. You had to study with him first. Oh, you were down there when Lee was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I studied with Lee. Did you know Michael Vigazzo? I, I know the name. I don't. He wrote Hot Full of Rain. He played uh, oh, Frankie, uh, Frankie Five, Five Angels. Yes. 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 See, that's another thing. Like in my scene work, I say we're going to do Hot Full of Rain. What's Hot Full of Rain? Yeah. I said, well, look at the movie with Lloyd Nolan and Don Merrick. Well, let's talk about that. You have an acting class. Yeah, right? down in and down in the school. Down yeah, so H- some people that want to get in touch with you. Well, what, uh, what happened is at HB Studios, where I studied, yes, in the nineties, um, contacted me um, actually through David Debinger because I was doing a play with David Preval, an off-Broadway play. Wonderful actor, David Preval. Yeah, me and David did oh, uh, Queen for a Day uh, off-Broadway. It was good. 
It was hard. It was hard to sell tickets, but it was a good play. It's always hard. Yes. So we're doing that, and they asked me to do a lecture, and then from that, I wound up doing acting workshops, and I've been down there for about seven years now. Down at HB. Yeah, I do a workshop, full so, week intensive workshop. So if somebody wants to study with you, they call up HB. Is that they the register for the school, or they get in touch with me, and I tell them which way to go. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, and they ask me if they have, if you need experience, I'm gonna say, well, you need, you need to know something. Right. See, I was doing, um, you know. I was saying you need a certain level. Yes, you, you know, have to. You know, and I and uh, but then I because of my last class, right. I realized that I got twelve students who really don't have to study no more right. anymore. And I had three kids in there who needed that attention. So I turned around to the class, said, "Next session, I'm opening up to everybody. So you guys that've been here for seven, eight workshops, there may not be room for you. Right. I need to teach new people, and that's my that's what I want to do. That's great." Yeah, I do a master class on one-on-one in Manhattan. I do a master class on how to audition. And, I, and I've been doing that now for 10 years. And I'm, I'm actually doing one in May, uh, the middle of May. But uh, actually, yeah. And how do you get people to sign up for you? What, oh, do you go on yeah. Facebook well, or something? I've been doing it 10 years now. Oh, so you get the same people I, coming back. I get a lot. Well, no, I got 300, 400 students. But I only teach 20 at a time. I only want to do 20. You can, no, you more. can't. I can't do more than 20. Oh, I know. I can't do more than 20, but hey, if you want, it reminds me, if you want to come, go to one-on-one, call there, and sign up for my class. But check out, check out this guy's class at HP. Yeah, my next one is June 21st. Are we going to air before yes. that? And um, yes, we will. just register with HP Studios, uh, Vinnie Pastor's acting workshop. Yeah, terrific, terrific. We have a lot of fun. Guys. Yeah, Yeah, because you get down... To the basics, you get down. I mean, to I got guys coming in doing short eyes, right? Yeah. So I'm walking by the public theater last night because we were at the Barry Electric down the street, and I go to one of my actors who was with us. I said, "That's where short eyes was." Wow. I said, uh, "Miguel Pinero." See, that's what happened. To go back to talking about Tony Sirico uh, and my friend Michael Ronan, right. they studied acting, or they didn't study, but they formed like an acting group right. when they were doing time. They were doing time. Yeah. You never did time, right? Maybe. Maybe. All right. <laughs> Your dad ever do time? Maybe. Daddy never got nailed. Daddy never no. got nailed. Oh. Okay. They well, love my father. Vinny, big pussy, you've been a pleasure. We got to have you back because there's so many stories. The man is the epitome of old school. This is old school. Oh, man. man it's so pleasure. You know, I love your house, but I mean, I know you must get lost about five times a week and your wife's got to come find you. I I do get lost sometimes. And when you grow up, I grew up in a a, a fourth floor walk up. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I railroad when apartments. I, when I moved, uh, yeah, you know, it was, you had to bang on the pipe to yep, eat. Yep. So when I built the house. Which street I, you grew up on? 187th and uh, Camberley. Right? Belmont Avenue. Was wow. The first street, yeah. Right on top of Lizzie's Drugstore. And where'd you go to school? I'm going to ask you these questions. Theodore Roosevelt. You did? I went to Mark Carmel, a lady of Mark Carmel. Yeah. Where I got beat up by the brothers. You know, they used to call us Wops and Guineas. And then I went to Theodore So then I have a question for you. Yeah, what? When was it that you said, I want to stop being an actor? Oh, I was about 10. Would, it, would you go see a movie or yeah, something? Yeah, I saw Around the World in 80 Days. That made you want to be an actor with David Niven? David Niven. I, I remember it was the first one of the first movies in Technicolor and all these colors. And yeah. I was just fascinated with it. My mother took me. My mother used to take me to movies all the time. Yeah, my mother took me. I was really, I was like, I don't know how old I was, Ten. seven, eight, yeah. whatever. And, uh, and then obviously a couple of years later, I, I, I witnessed a man get killed. 
And I always, I never forgot that. And that's how I always stayed in my head, and that's how I eventually wrote about Bronx, too. Yeah. But I always wanted to be an actor. What was your first... I'm going to interview Chaz. Right, what was your first, first acting gig? My first acting gig was a, a, a play that I did at the Manhattan Theater Club. It was called 22 Years. It was about the life of Charles Manson, and I played the guy Danny DiCarlo. I'll never forget that. And that was the first paid acting gig I did. My first movie was called... Home Free All, 1984, I played the hijacker. And I did, uh, oh, wait a minute. And I did, if you, there's a movie called The Last Dragon. It was a karate movie, and I played thug number one. If you you, you blink, you, you'll, you'll miss me, you know. But uh, And that's how I got my SAG card. And uh, But I always came from the theater. And then in 1988, I wrote Bronx Tale. And then after that, I was And I saw it uh, down at Playhouse 90. Now, when did you have it at Playhouse 90? What year was that? 1990. That's when I saw it. 1990, which is 30, I came down there. And then I wind up doing a concert down there with two rock and roll bands around 1984, and I lost my shirt. In 1994, I lost my shirt. Because you put up the money. Because it's hard. It's hard. No, it is it's hard. It's hard. No, it is hard. But, yeah. but Vincent, thank you for doing the show. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. I want to remind everybody, go to my website, chazpalmentary.net, or go to my social media my Instagram, my Twitter, you'll know what I'm doing, where my show is. Don't forget to go to my website, pick up the card. <clears throat> the saddest thing in life is wasted talent, all the great merchandise I have. And uh, we'll see you again next week. God bless.